Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis here with Sarah Powers. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Megan. And we are excited to be jumping into everyone's ear holes on a Sunday. Um, happy Easter if you celebrate it. And if you are, you know, in a sugar coma right now, this is going to be a great, super fluffy topic. I mean, our More Than Mom episodes are always kind of fluffy, but this is one of the more random and fun ones we've done recently, I think. I think so, too. And also one of the ones that perhaps reveals idiosyncrasies in our individual personalities, even though we're right. talking about book reading and podcast listening, I feel like it might uncover like some other just weird things about us. I completely agree um, because this is really all about habits. I mean, we've been talking about recently, we've talked about specific ways we spend our free time, shows we're watching, books we're reading, like we get into specifics, but we haven't really talked a lot about the habits around podcast listening or other media consumption. Right. And I think anytime you dig into habits or, or schedules or rituals, it's just really satisfying to hear. We all know we're, we're part of a collective podcast community. You all listening, listen to podcasts, duh, Megan and I do. But to kind of like peel back the layers of when and how and what kind of speakers and do we listen with headphones? And like, I just think it's um it's always a fun and very satisfying peek into someone else's life and daily routine. And we know from feedback that you all like that. I also think that because we're in the podcast industry, there's like two layers to this, at least with the podcast listening part. I know we're going to talk about reading books, too, but um, the way our listeners listen and sometimes you all tell us, you say, I listen while I'm folding laundry or I'm working from home now. I don't have my commute. And so we have, I think, some like industry level observations about how moms in particular consume podcasts. But then we are also podcast consumers. So it's a little yeah. meta, too, at some level. It is. And I think that we've learned a lot over the last year about habits and how important they are um, to the growth of a show or just like the continued consistency of a show and like how 
us being consistent helps other people establish their habits. And then how, when the whole world's habits all changed all at once, mm-hmm. like really how that affected not just our show, but so many across, um, across the podcast landscape. And I'm sure that's the same with all media. I have a feeling a lot of people went to shorter little snippets of information that they could get right away, like social media mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And probably um, that's why there was a bit of a dip in podcast listening last spring. And then when it came back, my guess is people were listening in brand new ways because there weren't those commutes anymore. And um, just everything got so shaken up. Well, it's so funny you say that because in our listener survey, and I didn't mean to plug this here, but please go take our listener survey. It's still open at the momhour.com slash survey if you haven't. Um, but this, you bring up this, like how the pandemic changed people's habits. And we've heard both sides of the story. Some of you have more time and are more into your podcast listening. Some are doing less. And we asked this in our survey and the pie chart, Megan, looks like, so picture an exact half, 49.6% of our listeners say they listen about the same amount of time as they used to. So the pandemic either didn't change it or it changed it in a way that like it all shook out in the wash, if that makes sense. Um, And then exactly 25% each have more time or less time than they used to. So I almost expected some kind of a a trend here. And it's like, you're all over the map, listeners. That is crazy. And I think... So, so they say that they, um, listen about the same amount, but maybe not the same shows. True. Yeah. And that's so, all like, we that's asked another thing that could have changed. Yeah. You have. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And Sarah, you touched on our idiosyncrasies. And I think when you extend podcast listening habits to, you know, music and reading and, and reading books and all different kinds of reading, um, or TV shows or movies or whatever, I just think it's fascinating how, different personality types just have different ways they consume media Mm -hmm. and then different things that are like acceptable or not to them. So like, for example, Sarah, I'm just going to guess that you and I have very different tolerance levels for things like giving up on a book we aren't loving or like (laughs) mixing song genres like up in a playlist. I mean, I just have a feeling we've both got some like very precious ground that we, um, that we kind of defend in those areas and then other areas where we're totally more relaxed. One is more relaxed than the other. And I know you and I have one in particular um, shared idiosyncrasy that we're going to dive into in a few minutes as well. So I'm excited for that. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, But most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor Meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor Meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah, and for any listeners with wellness goals this month... Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle, whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code MOMHOUR50 at factormeals.com slash MOMHOUR50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest, I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh. But you know what's good to go? My shoes. 
I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately, the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather. But please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown Loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Motion technology for a difference you can feel. Bionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Okay, Sarah, so for this whole first half of the show, we're going to talk about our listening habits. Um... More about podcast listening, because I just think that's going to be really interesting to our audience, and maybe we'll get some great feedback about their listening habits and more specifics. But also a little bit, we'll touch a little bit on music. I know you and I have very different habits around that as well. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to kick off with some really specific podcast listening questions, then we'll just kind of go back and forth. So first question, when do you listen to podcasts? And I'll, I guess I'll go first on this one. Um, I typically listen when I'm walking. Um, when puttering or cooking, sometimes on longer drives, but almost never on a quick drive. Like if I'm going to only be driving across town or even, even within 15 or 20 minutes, it's very unlikely that I would put on a podcast because I know the podcast usually won't, you know, finish by the end. And, um, I find that kind of annoying. So that's my, that's my win. How about you? Yeah. Well, I relate to that because it's funny. I do listen on short drives and I find it kind of frustrating. It's like getting interrupted in a conversation, but I do it anyway, which is interesting. Um, so I think we're, we're probably similar. Um, I, my morning walks are long. I'm trying to walk for probably like 50 minutes right now. So that's a really good length for podcast listening. Um, and then I, I listen in the car. I get excited if I have, um, like a 15 minute car ride by myself. Cause I also never would listen to a podcast with the kids in the car. I know those of you with tiny kids, you know, they don't care. They might take a nap or whatever, but I would never, I can only listen to my podcast when I'm by myself. So, um, and then sometimes like on weekend chores, like folding laundry, if I remember, if I think I'm going to be doing that little chore for a good amount of time, I'll pop in headphones, but sometimes I kind of, I forget that's a thing. So mostly in my morning walks with like sprinklings other, you know, at other times. You know, it's funny. I, um, in our Facebook group a while ago, I actually asked the question when I was trying to decide how to produce my new podcast, Mother of Reinvention. And I had this idea, like, because people will always say no one wants short content or sorry, Mm -hmm. no one wants long content, make it short. Like no one has an attention span. And so I posed that question, would it make more sense to take our, um, the interviews I'm doing and break them up into multiple episodes or just run, you know, a 30 to 40 minute interview as one. And overwhelmingly the response was Mm -hmm. just publish it all as one Mm -hmm. because I like long podcasts. And I thought, well, that makes sense. They're mostly mom, our listeners, and Mm -hmm. we have a long podcast. So it makes sense that people who are drawn to that, um, would also want, you know, more content in a new podcast, but it just kind of seemed to fly in the face of what's the conventional wisdom. And the funny thing is we're both now saying we won't, 
well, I'm saying I won't listen to a podcast on a short drive because it annoys me when it cuts off. You're saying you will listen to it, but it still annoys you when it cuts off. But mm-hmm. neither you nor I seek out short podcasts for that purpose. Like I wouldn't, it wouldn't occur to me to go, well, since I'm just driving across town, I'll just find a 10 minute podcast. Like I don't right. think that way. No. So, and I yeah. think that conventional wisdom you mentioned was thrown around a lot, like five years ago when we were going to conferences and it, I, I'm going to generalize here. I feel like it's kind of a dude thing. Like yeah. the, the, the male dominated parts of the podcast industry and this presumption. And that's not to say that dudes don't like to listen to long podcasts I, every to each their own for sure. But I right. think there was this like pressure to do like high volume, short length, um, kind of like very produced bite-sized audio. And I think for a while people thought that's where the industry was going. And yeah. I have to say, we're going to get into what types of podcasts we listen to, but I'm listening to some long form interviews by very established, very successful podcasters that are over an hour. And so mm-hmm. it's not just us, like people are doing long form and people are liking it. So, yeah. And some people have like two to three hour long podcasts. I mean, that's yeah. a bit much for me. I'm not sure I'd ever make it through, but there is a, there's a market for that. So you just never know, like to each yeah. their own, as they say. Okay. Um, next question, where do you listen? And and by that, I mean, not just like physically, where are you in your home or environment, but also like what platform are you using? So like, mm-hmm. the, is that the figurative where? I don't know. <laughs> Two yeah. different kinds of where. You go first on this one. Okay. So I took this question as the where, as like which app I'm using and also the, um, the, I don't know, the physicality of the experience, which includes headphones for me and like what kind of speakers. So I listen in Pocket Casts. I've used Pocket Casts for several years, but I am being seduced over to Spotify, Megan. I said this to you privately a couple weeks ago, and I have been listening to some Spotify-only audio originals. And it's so funny. This is the type of thing you and I like nerd out about on the industry side of things. Like, hmm, Mm -hmm. what's all this premium content going to lead to? And how's it going to change listener habits? And then I'm having this experience where I am an actual regular consumer of audio content. And I find myself thinking more about switching to Spotify, um, not just because of the originals that I listen to that I can only listen to there. But I've also thought about like making a playlist for a couple of friends that we share a lot of podcast um, episodes back and forth. I love the playlist feature. I love that you can share an episode to Instagram stories and like share with your friends what you're listening to. So I'm, I'm like kind of married to pocket casts and flirting with Spotify right now. Oh, um, like you're a little bit yeah. cheating. Yeah. A little bit. I love a little it. bit. And then in terms of the um the apparatus, I really <laughs> need headphones in my ears almost always for my walk. I unless I'm alone in my house and we'll get into this. Unless I'm completely by myself, I don't like to listen on a speaker or smart speaker. I don't like being interrupted. I don't like if I have to walk out of the room and I might miss something. I, I find if I'm doing dishes, I would have to turn my kitchen smart speaker up really loud because I don't. It's very unpleasant for me not to be able to really hear. Like if I'm going to listen, I really want to listen. So I like headphones. I've always had studio Bluetooth earbuds and they have worked wonderfully over the years. But my most recent pair of studios is misbehaving. And I still love the brand. I love uh-huh. the design, but I think I have a lemon or they're not charging they're not charging correctly. They're not Bluetoothing correctly. So lately I've been having a lot of headphones issues and I, I need to just, I actually have another pair of Bluetooth earbuds that I could just bust out and I'm being stubborn about it because I really love the way these sound. I love the way they fit in my ears. But if I, if they only connect half the time and if one of them never charges, I'm, I'm grumpy about it. So did that even answer the where? Um, well, it sort of, you answered two parts of the where, right? You answered the apparatus 
and uh-huh. the platform. Did you actually say where you are in your house? I mean, I thought, I guess because we were talking about when I'm either out on a walk or if I'm in my house, I'm oh, in the right. kitchen or like folding laundry. I'm in my house somewhere or in the car. So in, I, yeah. I don't feel like I kind of covered that, but yeah. You're kind of all over the place. Okay. So, well, I, you know, you and I have talked about our beloved studios and um, how our new ones aggressively connect <laughs> even when they're put away sometimes. Like that's yeah. my problem. So mine will just <laughs> decide to jump in on a phone call. And they're like put away in their, in their case, like in a different area of the house. Like they're not even near me. And you know, the person's like, I can't hear you or something. And, or like, I can't hear them. Um, so it's, it's very, or I've tried to box you before and it's just come across like rustling, but that's because I'm not even, it's like picking it up in a drawer in my office or something. Um, and I've also had a couple times now where I've tried to use my Garmin watch to, um, connect to my earbuds. And I think, and I've blamed I blamed my Garmin, but I actually think it's maybe the earbuds that aren't working right because they'll kind of go like, and they'll stop and like kind of cut out. And that's really annoying when you're running, if your music is constantly coming in and out and maybe there's just like too much Bluetooth thing happening. So you've got like the Bluetooth, you know, one Bluetooth speaking to another, maybe that just isn't working. So I don't know. We'll have to like, see how it plays out. Um, okay. So I guess that my, I guess my habits about where are similar to yours. It's except for the car on a road, on a road trip. It's like my house, uh, in my house kitchen, the kitchen is putter central. So it would be very rare for me to be folding laundry or really any of that kind of stuff anywhere besides my kitchen. That just mm-hmm. tends to be the place where all that stuff is done. And that's where the majority of my podcast listening happens. In addition to walking the dog, I am walking the dog a little less, um, lengthy walks recently because she's just getting kind of old and she's just mm-hmm. not managing long walks as well anymore. And I do not listen to podcasts when I run almost ever. So it's really just, um, walking or puttering. And, um, I also usually listen, well, I listen with my earbuds if I'm out of the house and I listen on my Google home when I'm in the house. And it's funny. So I never, you tried to get me on pocket cast a long time ago. I actually paid for the app. I downloaded it and then I just kept forgetting to use it. So even though I, I agree with your dislike of Apple podcasts and I don't think it's ideal, the re the search thing, I don't think makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of things I don't love about it, but it's just habitual. I've been listening yeah. to podcasts on Apple podcasts for so long. Um, I've got shows downloaded going back years. Like I just, I just, at this point, it would be pretty hard for me to really make the switch, except I also have been using Spotify very randomly lately for listening to podcasts. And that's because I listen on Google home in my kitchen and I have not found it easy at all to listen to podcasts on Google home. Like it just, Mm -hmm. it's not intuitive unless they've changed something. Um, pretty recently, it used to be that you couldn't choose an episode. Like you could only start with the most recent and then work backward. But if you're on Spotify, I just get my music going on Spotify. That works great. And then I just switch it. Like I'll just go on my device and switch Mm -hmm. it to the um, podcast I want to listen to. Maybe I don't even have to do that, but I'm so paranoid about podcasts and like not finding the right ones and stuff. It works great. So I'm just finding that if I'm like doing a hands-free situation in the kitchen, it's often a lot easier for me to use Spotify. And what that means is I have to, I have two completely different like listener experiences happening that don't, it's not even like you where there's, where there's rhyme or reason, like you're going mm-hmm. to Spotify because there's an exclusive or whatever. And I'm going there just because I just forget to, you know, I just, I don't feel like using my phone. 
to yeah. do it. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, interesting. Same, same thing, different reasons, but I have a feeling there's a, probably a whole lot of solutions that Spotify is, has created for some of those pain points. And I'm sure that's why they're doing so yeah. well. And they're creating a universe where you're, it's kind of like Facebook. I don't know if this is a good analogy, but like Facebook, it's like they created a universe where people were hanging out there anyway. And then right. once they had that dom- domination, that, that, like domain, then adding groups and adding a marketplace and adding yeah. messenger was so relatively easy. And I feel like Spotify is trying to do that with audio. And, you know, they, they have cleared a bunch of the big hurdles, I think, for for a lot of people. And and so then adding podcasts, adding um, the way they do ads, you know, it, yeah. it's, it's all I feel like the flywheel is moving, so to speak, for Spotify. Yeah, agreed. And I, I believe I read pretty recently that they were experimenting with some Spotify curated playlists that mixed podcasts with music, which I think mm-hmm. is really interesting. I don't, it's hard for me to imagine liking that. I like to usually be in one mode or another, but when I, whenever I say something like that, I will sometimes learn that my, my preferences are a little more plastic and flexible yeah. than I think they are, you know? And there's a lot of music related podcasts. So anytime you're talking right. about entertainment or people are talking about a band or a song or an album, and then um, I know in Brene Brown, like she will do a little playlist that goes with an episode because she music is big in her conversation. So yeah, I think it's interesting. So the one thing I want to make sure that we talked about here, Sarah, because I know you both, you mentioned that you, you know, you have to have earbuds in, you don't like to listen to podcasts around kids. Like you don't want to miss something. Um, and it's not something that you would just have like playing in your car with them in the car, but this somehow you and I both stumbled on a truth about both of us, um, Mm -hmm. that you thought was just you being weird. And it turned out we're both weird in the same way. (laughs) And it's that we both have these weird privacy issues when it comes to other people, like horning in on what we're watching or reading or listening to and watching is a little different. I don't, I don't feel the same about because watching is like. I don't know because there's a TV it's kind of expected people will wander yeah. in and out of the room and just look at it but when it comes to like listening to music or podcasts or like boxer messages mm-hmm. I feel very self-conscious when people know what I'm choosing or why mm-hmm. I'm choosing it, it's not the quite as universal as it is with you I think you have some more universal uh, universality about it but for me it's like I find it really embarrassing um when I ask Google Home to play certain songs and I don't know why <laughs> And I don't want my kids to know about some of the podcasts I listen to. And I don't know why. Like, I, it's very strange. Well, we were laughing because it, what's funny about it for both of us is it's completely separate from the nature of the content. So I was right. joking. We, we discovered that we both hate when someone looks over our shoulder when we're on a laptop, even if what we're doing is like the most innocent, like there's nothing to catch us. We're not doing anything right. embarrassing we're not like we're not breaking the rules, but we have this very private and self-conscious experience about a lot of th- like several media consumption habits. Um, for me, definitely Voxer messages. I use Voxer in a lot of different ways. And when I'm listening to my Voxer messages, it's a very like internal. I'm You're inside Sarah's head. It's like I'm having a private conversation. So like if someone were to overhear even not embarrassing stuff at all, it feels like vulnerable or something. And then, yeah, yeah. Same thing with, I don't know, like the kids get in the car and like whatever podcast, whatever, like self-help podcast I'm listening to. It just feels, I feel more protective and more private than seems to be warranted by the content (laughs) itself. Like I would, I would publish a big list. I'll tell you guys all the things I'm listening to. I'm not embarrassed about it, but I, I feel protective when I'm actually in the listening 
or consuming mode, I don't want anyone in my business. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I'm, and it's very random when I am like that and when I'm not, but um, particularly with music, like my kids listen to me, listen to music all the time. They listen to me sing along with music in the car all the time. Um, but I have a really weird hang up about cueing music in front of them. And I don't know why, like, <laughs> it's not like I care if they think my music choices are cool. They know that they are not. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I care that they know I'm listening. It's just like, sometimes I guess I think maybe the name of a song is kind of dorky or like the name of my playlist that I put together has a dorky name. Or maybe like you suggested, it's just that certain songs bring me to an emotional place that I don't Mm -hmm. want anyone to like know I'm queuing myself up for on purpose. It's I don't know. It's a (laughs) I'm sure we could probably spend many hours dissecting ourselves um, psychologically here, but I'm so curious if other listeners have similar hangups. Um, so I'm going to say one more quick thing. And it's more about the people looking over our shoulders when we're working on a laptop, which feels the same, but it's slightly different. Um, back in the olden days when I used to work in coffee shops, one time, a long time ago, I posted a picture about how I always set up in the corner, like as, as far back to a wall, because I feel very exposed if people are walking by looking at what I'm doing, even if what I'm doing is so boring and no one cares and there's nothing secret about it. And I had a lot of responses of people saying that they were exactly the same way. So I just wonder if it's a like a quirk or a personality trait. I I look over other people's laptops in a coffee shop all the time. I want to know what everyone's yeah. doing. I know. <laughs> but that's like, you know, that that's how that that curiosity, you know, like, yeah. you know, that's why people are looking at yours. And yeah, you're right. Yeah. I could be shopping for like cookware. It doesn't yeah. matter what I'm doing. It's, I don't want anyone knowing. Right. OK. <laughs> all right. Well, we're weird. Um, mm-hmm. Moving on. So. This one is kind of hard for me and I'll go first on this because I don't have much to say. And the question is like, how do you decide which podcast to listen to? And my answer is it's completely random. And often, unless I have some burning desire to listen to a specific podcast, and that tends to be the ones I binge listen to, like um, the Dolly Parton show. I can't remember what, uh, Mm -hmm. Dolly Dolly Parton's America, America. or like if I'm listening on a, a, you know, on a road trip or something, and I've already chosen ahead of time what I'm going to listen to. But most of the time, you know, queuing up my podcast is like the last thing in a long line of other things that have happened first. So I'm going to go walk the dog, right? I get dressed. I make sure I have the poopy bags. Uh, I make sure I have my earbuds and they're charged. I make sure I have the leash. I get the dog. Like I have all these things I have to do. And like, as I'm walking out the door, I just want a podcast to start and I don't want to have to think about it. And that's when I will just go in and be like, I don't know. I guess I'll just list this one's up. Sure. And I, I sometimes am then disappointed because it's not really what I want to listen to. Mm-hmm. And I haven't quite figured out how to know, like how to know what podcast mood I'm in or how to branch out and find new shows. I know they, they always say podcasts have a discoverability issue. And I think that's true because how do you find out about new TV shows? Like you hear your friends talk about him, you see him, maybe you see a preview for it before a different show. And it's just not, it doesn't feel that way in the Google or in the Google, in the podcast world. It Mm -hmm. doesn't feel like there's such a like seamless way just to know what someone like you might like. Mm -hmm. Well, I think Spotify is going to probably change that too. If we're talking about, because that's like that, all that algorithm stuff. Um, I, I feel a lot of the same way. And I also feel that kind of mental load of having to like the decision fatigue a little bit or decision. Um, so I really feel that. So a a big, um, help with that has been that I, we're going to talk on Tuesday about friendships and close ride or die friendships. And my ride or die threesome is in Voxer. My 
high school friends, Sarah and Erica, and we actually share back and forth a lot of podcast episodes to listen to. And it's really broadened some of the shows I listen to. And it's also it's also given me permission to just dabble a little bit more. I think a lot of our listeners um, maybe have the thing where they subscribe to like six shows and then they just listen to every episode of those shows when they come out like and that, you know, so their their feed is either full up or it's empty. And I I'm much more dabbling right now. Like I'll go over here and listen to an interview um, I'm subscribed to way more podcasts than I listen to every episode. So I'm definitely like cherry picking right now. Um, but I, I also kind of crave that what you were talking about, like, I wish someone would decide for me. And again, I've thought about like being a little more heavy handed with my own curation by almost making like a Spotify playlist for myself at the beginning of the week. So that once I like hit play on my walks, like if something finishes, I've I've only had like as the lazy genius Kendra would say I've decided once like I make the decision right. once and then I, I don't have that decision fatigue over and over again. So it sounds like we're both a little cherry picky right now. Yeah, and I feel like that's one thing that like a Spotify playlist comes cuz I could sit down I could even do this on my computer and you know I like to do a lot of that kind of stuff on my computer. Um mm-hmm. anything that takes more like planning, thinking and like clicking around a lot, I would way rather do it on my computer. So I could have Spotify open and then be clicking around and thinking, oh, what do I want to listen to? And then just be adding it to a podcast playlist that is just my all week long playlist. Mm-hmm. And I I could really see myself leaning in on something like that um, because you're right. It's like just figure it out one time, not when I'm walking and my hands are full and there's a dog yanking on my arms. Yeah. <laughs> so, yep. yeah. I think we're very similar yeah. there. Hmm. Okay. Well, what categories are you more likely to or most likely to listen to? Well, this is interesting. I'll be quick, but I will say this has changed a lot in the like, I would say in the pandemic year. I used to really favor podcasts that were kind of like ours, like friendly conversational chats. I listened to a lot of podcasts produced by our friends in the industry that are a lot like ours. Um, and I still pop into those and feel very like connected to those podcasts. But I'm I'm listening to a lot more long form interviews than I ever used to. Um, and I'm popping in and listening to one interview here. And then like, then I don't feel the need to listen to everyone that's ever done. Um, right now, I'm loving Renegades, which is a conversation between Barack Obama and Bruce Springsteen. It's a Spotify original. And they have like long form conversations about different issues in American culture and history. It's really fascinating. Um, I have been listening to more and more Brene Brown's long interviews. I just I loved the one she did with Abby Wambach. Recently, um, I listened to Bill Gates on Dax Shepard, and then I listened to Melinda Gates on Brene Brown, and I had this like weird podcast crossover moment, and I was like really into the Bill and Melinda Gates. I learned more about them than I ever knew. So like, I'm following my nose toward, I would say, this general genre of long-form interviews with interesting people. And then I always mm-hmm. like I always like news and current events. I can I can absorb that pretty quickly. Um, and I like personal growth stuff. So that's where I am right now. Yeah. I mean, I would say mine hasn't changed a ton. I've honestly never been into conversational podcasts like ours, <laughs> which is so weird. And when I first started podcasting like years and years ago, um, in like the mom and sort of like women's lifestyle space, that was kind of what there was. It wasn't really, there weren't like a lot of these really produced shows that spoke to kind of what I liked. It was just a lot of chatter and it used to drive me nuts. I kind of really hated it. So I, I always laugh that that's where we wound up going. And, and sometimes I think that the show, the, the content you like making isn't necessarily the content you enjoy consuming. And I'm sure there are all kinds of reasons for that. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but I'm more likely to listen to um, business-oriented podcasts. Um, I still listen to like Masters of Scale that you turned me on to a long mm-hmm. time ago. Um, the one about oh how it, how I built this, how I built this, mm-hmm. like the shows like that. Like I'll get I'll get kind of frustrated when I'm out of new content in those um, shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I do dabble in like personal development or health and wellness shows, but then I kind of will forget to go back. It's not the kind, it's just not as easy for me just to jump in. Cause I have to be really interested in the topic or I don't find it interesting if that makes sense. So, mm-hmm. um, or the person and every now and then a storytelling podcast or like an investigative podcast, but those are usually the one where I'm listening all at once on a, like on a road trip or yeah. something. And I don't think to go back to those every week. I don't, like they kind of feel like cliffhangers and I just want to get it done. Yeah. Those um, are great. Yeah. for, And you can even binge those even in your daily podcast listening. You just listen to nothing else for like four days, you right. know, on your walks yes. and while you're doing yep. laundry. And I think nice white parents was the last time I did that. And that was like a good binge where that I just didn't listen to anything else until I was done. Yeah. And that's how I listened to season two of the dream and um, Dolly Parton's America. It was mm-hmm. just, you know, sometimes I'd find myself wanting to walk a little longer so I could Maybe yeah. start the next episode, but uh, that's not such a bad thing, right? No. Yeah. Okay. So um, I'll go first on this one. Categories you never or almost never consume. Um, I put comedy and that one popped into my head only because I know that's like a super popular. I mean, I'm sure there's a million categories. Okay. There's probably a hundred categories. <laughs> I've never, I would never consider listening to, but comedy is really up there. I think it's one of, it's like number two or three, I think on like the most consumed category. So it just made me kind of laugh that I, except for our friends at What Fresh Hell, which I think of as more of like a parenting show that's funny yeah. than a straight up comedy show. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure I've ever listened on purpose to a comedy podcast like ever. Yeah, I, I said the same thing. And p- comedy podcasts are huge. Uh, my brother's really yeah. into them and, and people get really into them. I've also heard... I'm sure listeners who know more know this, but that that the ads on comedy podcasts are really funny because we know, I mean, you all know how we do our ads and we get our talking points and we like the brands and we tell you about them. And there's a certain amount of like things we have to say or whatever. And I've just, I've heard that the ads on comedy podcasts are hilarious because the hosts just do whatever they want with those, with those prescribed. And for you and me, it's really more the outtakes that are hilarious. Right. Yes. Someday we'll publish those. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't listen to comedy podcasts. There's a lot I don't listen to. It's funny. I don't have any desire to listen to parenting podcasts like about parenting. I mean, I feel like it's the industry we're in and I still might read a parenting book on a topic, but I'm not looking for parenting audio content. So I'm not really either. I will say though, that we do have a lot of like, I, I'm not seeking that out. And I mean, even when I was a parenting blogger, I did not seek out parenting blogs. Like, it's just kind of been, when I was writing parenting books, I didn't really read a lot of parenting books. It's been, like, typically the kind of stuff I'm, again, producing is not the kind of stuff I want to consume. Maybe I want to break. We do have a lot of friends and colleagues in our, like, milieu who do great podcasts. And every now and then I'll listen to one just to kind of keep up with what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But I'm listening for them, not for the content. And that's nothing mm-hmm. against them. I'm sure it's great content if you want to listen to it. I think I'm just maxed out on like parenting, yep. um, parenting content. And the other thing I will say is every now and then I will be listening to a show that's more of like a news show or like an investigative show, but it has a parenting angle. Mm-hmm. And I like that. 
Like yeah. if there's some science or something like that. But, yeah, totally. Um, yeah. Okay, Sarah, question for you that I'm just so curious of your answer. Do you ever stop if a show right in the middle, like an episode, and then never return? So clarifying question, do you mean stop it by choice? Like I'm bored and I'm going to switch or like I get out of the car and I never and I forget to return later or either. That, probably more. The, the latter was really what I was okay. thinking. Yeah. I often click away because I'm just like, eh, not for me. But yeah. Yeah. Like um, when you listen almost all the way to the end and then next time you forget that you didn't. Yeah. You know, it happens. It. it happens to me all the time. And it goes back to this kind of like cherry picking behavior I have. So I will forget and, or I will think that I have listened to the whole thing or I'll think I had like two minutes left. Like I'm almost done. And then I'll look later and realize there was like 20 minutes left. And I mean, sometimes it's like finding a little $20 bill in your pocket or, but other times it's like, Oh wait, I didn't finish that very different than how I am with books, which we will get to later. So yeah, it happens to me all the time. Yeah, it happens to me all the time, too. And the funny thing is, I often just don't want to go back and listen to the last. Like, say there's, you know, 10 minutes left or something. I don't really want. I feel like then I'm just getting like the leftovers. (laughs) So then I will often be like, no, I want a fresh episode. Like, I don't want a stale old episode that I already like almost ate. You know, it's like the the crust of the pizza. I don't. Oh, see, I get a lot of satisfaction (laughs) out of finishing and feeling like I finished Uh, something. So to me, it's like, oh, okay. Like that's not what I, I I forgot that I didn't listen to this, but I'm happy to finish it. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. All right. Well, this is another question where I kind of feel like you and I have different, um, different ways that we are about these things. So do you care about keeping up with the latest or do you just jump around? And I know you and I are both trend diverse, um, Mm -hmm. with a lot of things. With podcasts, I do feel a bit more pressure to know what people are talking about just because it's the world our business lives in. But then that said, like, I've still never listened to a single episode of Serial. I only listened to Dirty John because you made me. I mean, like, I feel like I'm still not trend averse in the way I'm trend diverse with other things, but I'm just kind of trend meh. Like, I don't care that much. Mm-hmm. How about you? Um, I'm very selective about which trendy podcasts I will listen to. If I, if I jump on a bandwagon, it's usually in the more serious vein, like, um, not Mm. serial, but serious, like something that's like produced by the New York times that I've heard is really good. Or like, it's something that everybody's talking about, but more in a like mm, journalistic way, maybe. Um, those are the ones that I have, I have found myself turning to less of the true crime or the really like some new hot celebrity podcast, like very unlikely to grab my attention. But if I'm hearing enough smart people talk about a New York Times produced podcast, I, I would probably definitely check it out. Um, and, and lately I'm listening to more of those like chart toppers because of that Voxer group I mentioned where mm-hmm. Sarah and Erica and I, we, we tend to share specific episodes, which is very freeing because it's like, you don't have to subscribe and listen to this whole back catalog. Just go listen to this one conversation. Yeah. Um, and so that that's, I think, turned me on to some more, quote unquote, like popular or trendy shows. Um, I was very late to the game in watching The Office, like the actual TV show. And then even later to the game about the podcast Office Ladies, which is like very popular among, I feel like, women our age. Um, and it's very cute and it is fun. I don't listen all the time, but it's fun to put on once in a while. So that is, I feel like trendy. And then I've talked before about how I had such an aversion to Armchair Expert and Dax like three years ago when it felt like everyone was talking about it. And I was like, what? Like, how good can this guy be? And I have totally had to eat crow there. Like, I I really like Dax's long form interviews. I only listen when I care about the person. So I still only listen right. to 10 percent of them. Um, but I had a real I had to really get off of my trend averse high horse about that one. 
Because I feel like everyone everywhere was like, oh my gosh, did you hear so-and-so on Dax? And right. Like, and and like, I, just no, I don't hate, listen to I was Dax. Like, no, I don't. Like, <laughs> and everyone loves Dax and Kristen. And it just felt like a thing I didn't want to care about. But I really, really enjoyed the long-form interviews with some really interesting people he's had on. Like Jane Goodall, of all people. And like, oh it's not just like entertainers and movie people. Um, so yes, I can, I can change is the lesson there. I love that. And you know, what's funny is Dax and Kristen were in Southwest Michigan a couple of years ago. And I am ashamed of my fellow brethren because they basically got stalked like Aww. around here. People were taking their pictures at the beach and at Meyer and po- posting them on Facebook. <laughs> and then I was like, e- I had this weird, like, because I felt bad and embarrassed that so many people were acting like such fools. Then I even wanted to listen to his show less. Isn't that weird? <laughs> Yeah, like it's such a weird like I should have been like, no, I support him by listening to his show. But then I was like, now I really can't get on this bandwagon. So maybe I'll maybe I'll get on it now. I have a really quick related question. Do you ever feel like annoyed when people who are already famous in other media forms start a podcast and everyone's talking about it? I feel real annoyed. Can't we just have this one thing? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah, that is definitely another issue. And And it's going, I mean, I think that that's one of those things that was really hard to get used to when podcasting went from being totally indie Uh to now becoming a real thing. And, and along with that um, recognition comes great things for us. More people listen, um, advertisers are more interested in us. So like, we kind of have to let it go a little bit, but there is a little bit of that. Like, why are you on our turf? Like, yeah, like just let us, you have radio, let us have this or whatever. Yeah, um, exactly. You have, you have your TV, entire, you have movies, like, you have everything network that you right. own. Like, <laughs> right. You need a podcast. We just have this. Oh my yeah. gosh. Okay. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, we're all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from our place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya Vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. 
highest chewable kids vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, so when we were planning this episode, you had lots to say about music or or you had a lot of ideas of talking about music. And I did my sheepish thing, which is like, I don't really listen to music the way, at least the way you do. You're so intentional and like passionate and knowledgeable about music. And I always just feel like I have nothing to say. And what's funny is we're role reversal because you sometimes say that about TV too. Whereas like I could talk about TV for two hours, um, but not music. So I guess um, I don't have very many music listening habits that I haven't already covered with podcasts because I, I mostly listen to podcasts. The kids and I will listen to a few playlists in the car. And I, I, in a future episode, I could talk about my kids' music tastes and how that's evolving, but that's different from my own. Um, and then right. I love my Broadway. I love my Broadway musicals. And I usually listen to them on Fridays because it's like a guaranteed mood picker upper. And then I text you questions and facts about <laughs> musicals on Friday mornings from my walk. There you go. That's, and we also had a very late um, Friday night conversation about the music man one time that just went on <laughs> and on. It was all, it was over Voxer. And I think we were mostly voice boxing and I was like out somewhere and that was I was singing. Fun. Yeah. I yes. Singing, you were singing. Mm-hmm. And then I was like giving you props on your, on your singing anyway. Um, yeah, I am pretty intentional, but I'm not intentionally intentional. If that makes sense. Like I just have habits that I, fall into and they happen. And then I look back and go, wow, there's really some patterns here. So, um, one of the things like about how and where I listen to music depends a lot on the format. Um, and then also the location kind of dictates the format. So I have a record player. My brother has a record player. We listen to a lot of records as a family. My sister has a record player. It's like kind of a thing that we all like to do. And with a record, what's so great about it is you listen to the whole thing. Obviously you're not going to skip around. And you always listen, like I always listen to the B-side. I would never take a record off and like not flip it and listen to the whole thing ever. But I've also discovered a ton of great songs that were just never hit singles, or maybe they just weren't the hit singles that stuck around. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of artists from like the 60s, 70s, like stuff that I have legitimately never heard um, Mm -hmm. or maybe heard on the radio once or twice in my life and just didn't know. And they're like, oh, these are really good songs. But they're not the kind of songs I would bother listen to if I was like flipping through a Spotify playlist. I'd probably mm-hmm. skip it. So it's just a very different kind of experience. Um, if I'm in my car, I have a really old car that has a CD player in it. Um, and like one of those aftermarket Bluetooth things that you, mm-hmm. um, you know what I mean? Like that you stick in your cigarette lighter because my car is old enough that it still has a cigarette lighter. I don't know if cars really have those anymore. Um, but for short distance, like if I'm just going across town, I just want something in my ears, sometimes silence. I'm really just about the easiest way to get from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I default to the radio or I'll just put whatever playlist I was already listening to on. Or sometimes I'll play a CD because my car has a CD player. Mm-hmm. And this is such funny, a funny story. When you and I went to Nashville, 
Um, so gosh, now how long ago was that? 18, well, that was the last was time we saw months? each other. Yeah. It's yeah. almost 18 months. Yeah. Okay. So November of 2019. I had just gotten my car with a CD player in it when we went there and we, you and I went out to lunch and at a honky tonk with a listener, um, who's a musician named Nora Jane Struthers. And she took us out. It was really fun. She, she sang and she gave us each a CD. And then I got home and was like, Hey, I know what I'll do. I'll put this in my car. And then it's all I listened to for months because once it was, it was the only CD I could find and let it yeah. was in my car. And so it was just on a loop. So I have that memorized, like forwards and backwards, um, Nora Jane's CD. We should link it up in the show notes, but totally. I just think it was so funny. I'd be, I'd get in the car and be like, yeah, I guess I'll just listen to Nora Jane again. I just play it again. And it was just really like the kind of music I like, like, um, I don't know, like a, like a fun country sound, mm -hmm. but not overly country, like mm -hmm. a little folky, I guess. Mm -hmm. And like, I just really enjoyed it. So, um, that was really fun and funny. And I, her CD is still in my car, but now I'm listening to more playlists again. So with road trips, this is kind of fun. I'm really intentional about music. I will let the kids DJ with parameters. They don't get to just play whatever they want, or they can like two or three songs in a row. And then I kind of take over again or give my opinion. Um, we do listen to a lot of belts along musicals. Like um, we'll listen to Dear Evan Hansen or Hamilton. We've got a whole list of those. And Will and I like to do all the harmonies and mm -hmm. he takes the, the male parts and I take the female parts. And that's oh, really I love fun. It. I know it's, it's a good time. Um, now this is really fun. I'm going on spring break this coming week and I will probably not be doing most of the driving because I'm going with my special man friend and his daughter and the three younger kids. So we're all going together. So I'm going to be back in the passenger seat on a road trip with kids. Like I've been on a couple road trips with Eric, but I have not done that with kids where I'm in the passenger seat. So I yeah. get to take over my DJ duties for the whole car again, which I'm really excited about because I just don't feel like I've gotten to really do that as much as I used to. Yeah. Um, although now because everyone's got phones, like when they were little, it was always just all on me, but mm -hmm. now they've all got phones and probably what'll end up happening is I'll get off the Bluetooth every now and then and let them take over. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So then walking, I don't listen to music very much, but when I'm running, I listen to like fast moving playlists. And mm -hmm. this is kind of a funny story. So I've started running again. And, um, Eric told me that if I pick up my cadence, which means your feet just move and people who are listening, who are already runners know this, but I have long legs. So I always kind of felt like the longer my stride, the better. And apparently the science is in, and that is not the case. And what okay. you want to do is move your feet faster because okay. then there's less, you're not up in the air as much and you're not coming down as hard. And you're actually able to propel yourself forward faster with like fewer injuries and stuff. It's just more efficient. So the ideal is someplace around, I think like 170 um, steps per minute, something mm -hmm. like that. So there's actually playlists you can find that are like a certain number of beats per minute in the mm -hmm. song so that you match it to your cadence. And I've been trying to work up from like 155, I think was my average cadence when I first started tracking it. And so I downloaded. Um, or I didn't download. I just found a playlist that is supposed to be like around 165, but like some of the songs are a little faster and I think it actually grows progressively. So yesterday I went for a run and I put it on and the song was, um, California love by Dr. Mm -hmm. Dre. Mm -hmm. And it goes, California mm -hmm. love, bump, 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 bump. And so like my feet are moving to that. <laughs> and I looked down at my watch and it, I was running 174 was my cadence. And I, I shaved a minute off my mile. 
Wow. So like, and, and it didn't feel harder. Like it was just like bump, 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 bump. And I just yeah. kept my feet going to that beat. So I'm a convert. Music yeah. helps you run faster, apparently. Love it. Um, and that's it. I mean, I talked about the kitchen. I'm whatever I'm in the mood for. I tend to be really sentimental when I'm listening to music in the kitchen. I'm experimental and I'm sentimental. Like I'll listen to whatever, but I often like to set a certain mood when I'm in the mm-hmm. kitchen. And sometimes that's a, a sappy mood. Sometimes that's like a lady power mood. Um, kind of all over the place. You know, I wish I could like get to, and you've influenced me in lots of ways. So there is still time. There's still hope for me, but I (laughs) I also feel sentimental about music. It's not that I don't love music, but when we talked about the decision fatigue or the like, uh, I'm not sure what to click on with podcasts times that by 20,000 for me with music. And I feel, I don't have a, like a deep foundation of knowledge of music like the way you do. My parents didn't really listen to much music or like have much of their own. Like I I didn't have a lot of musical influences until I was older. And I, I always kind of felt like left out in a way. Um, so yeah, I, I would love, I also feel sentimental about music. I also love having music on in the kitchen, but it's like, I don't even know myself and what I want (laughs) kind of, or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think it's one of those things that like, um, the more you're immersed in it and like take chances and I don't know, branch out the easier it gets. But mm-hmm. I was like that when I kind of, I was, a you know, I grew up listening to so much music and I was so into music. And then I had a long dry spell when my kids were little and I would only listen to music that happened to be on the radio. And it really probably wasn't until I got Spotify that I got really back into music. Oh mm-hmm. no, I'll take that back. It was when it was before Spotify. It was like when, um, not Netflix. What was the thing everyone was listening to like 10 years ago? Pandora. Pandora. But even before that, like the ones that ended up being totally illegal. It was oh, like when all that. Napster. Napster. Like when Napster <laughs> kind of came on the scene. When our listeners were born. Well, I know. When Napster started coming, then I was sort of like, ooh, okay, I can, I can sort of dabble and sort of like dip my toe back in. And But it really, I think Spotify has completely changed the game for me music wise. Cause I can just access anything I want. Mm-hmm. And I've probably had Spotify since 20, 2012, maybe. Yeah. Well, um, I've had it a long time too. Yeah. Um, and the paid version for probably five years. So yeah. 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 So anyway, I guess we can move on to reading. Although now I just don't feel like I have as much to say about consuming things with my eyeballs as my earballs. That's okay. You have something okay. to say, I'm sure. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about our book reading habits. Um, and Sarah, I know that you've, you also could say some things about like articles and we'll dig into that in a little bit. Um, but just tell me like, when do you read? Um, I've, for the past several years, my mornings have been my reading time. Um, and listeners know this cause I've mentioned it many times, but I'm actually reading a little bit more before bed, even if it's just a couple pages. Um, so I have a book on my nightstand and I'm actually staying in bed when I get up in the morning. The last couple mm. months, Brian brings me coffee and I stay in bed because we don't have good reading light in our either of our like living spaces. Um, and I actually love it. So um, that way, if the book stays by the bed, it never leaves. And I read a little bit in the morning and a little bit in the evening usually. So you remember how you and I talked about this and I was trying to establish a habit where I would like read not in my bed and like because I kept falling asleep mm-hmm. and then I never did that. Um, so for me, it's almost always bedtime with a couple, unless I'm on vacation and vacation, I just read whenever, um, with a couple of caveats during the summer, I read a lot at the beach and I read by the pool. Um, 
And if I have something to read that feels a little more instructive, like if it's something where I need brain power, like say Mm -hmm. I was um, like reading, I've read a lot of yoga books recently where there's like almost like a workbook component. I will almost always do those in the morning. Anything that's like it requires brain power. Mm -hmm. I consider that kind of recreational reading, but I don't want to do it at night because I will definitely fall asleep with a book in my hand. Um, which leads us to the next question. Where do you read? And I just answered it in bed (laughs) almost all of the time. And then I fall asleep and I can't get more than three pages in usually before zonking. Yeah. Well, and I accidentally answered that one too. So it's in bed, whether it's morning or night. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it sounds so silly, but if I carry my book and I always read a physical book, I carry it out into the other part of the house just in the afternoon or something. It sounds great. I will forget to put it by my bedside Mm -hmm. and then I will not read at night and morning. It's like it needs to be, they say like with habits, like make it really easy on yourself. Like it needs to be the first thing you see or it needs to be part of the routine. So for me, that's bedside. Yeah. And I read a lot of my Kindle. I do. I do like to get um, hard copy books, but I'm not as likely to read those in bed because I don't find it comfortable reading like a thick book in bed if I'm lying down. Yeah. Um, but I sleep with my Kindle. Like it's like tucked into the bed next to me. Yeah. It's not even on my bedside table sometimes. It's like under my pillow or like in the passenger side of my bed. So um, yeah, I just, I think you're so right. Making it easy on yourself means you read more. Yeah. So Sarah, how do you decide what to read? Do you have a discoverability problem with it comes to books or? I just realized, and I, I wouldn't have made this connection very often. I decide what to read because I heard about it on a podcast. That's <laughs> funny. It, yeah. And it's often, so sometimes it's the author itself, uh, you know, themselves, yeah. they're interviewed. Um, so that, and I read a lot of nonfiction. In fact, every, every title I've read this year has been nonfiction and that's okay. So a lot of times it's either a podcast I listened to or an article I read or a social media conversation I saw um, we follow and we interact with a lot of authors in the nonfiction space. And then those people are also avid readers who are reading outside their genre. And so I feel like I'm just exposed to a lot of bookish types who are constantly yeah. recommending stuff. And I use Goodreads. Um, if I if I think about it, I will put it on my library holds list or order it. Or I, we have a great local bookstore now that if I buy books, it's always from my local bookstore here in Santa Barbara. Um, So I'm pretty good about keeping a cue for myself or I might get it for a birthday or Christmas gift. Um, But usually it's it's um, because I've heard about it somewhere. And often that's on a podcast. So I'm I'm rarely being like, oh, this looks good. Let me pick this up. It's usually on a recommendation of some someone or something somewhere. So mine is sometimes like that. Uh, My sister is an avid, avid reader and she recommends a lot of books, but I forget half the time. She recommends so many books. I can't keep up with them all. I should write them down and keep them like next to my bedside or something. But, um, for me, it's like, if I go to the library or the bookstore, I truly will just find a cover that looks appealing and maybe look up a review. But usually I, it's just like, yep, looks good. Or maybe if it's at the bookstore, the, you know, the working, the person working might tell, recommend it or tell me what it's about. Um, that's very, those are like impulse purchases or impulse, you know, borrowing, I suppose. Um, on my Kindle, I do tend to revert to a lot of old books I've read before just because they're there and they're easy and I'm reading before bed when I really just want comfort reading anyway. Mm -hmm. And I will sometimes, sometimes look at the like, because you liked this, you might like that or Mm -hmm. whatever they have on Amazon. Um, Sometimes, but I don't like, I don't rely on that too much. It's a lot Mm -hmm. of reading, same, same stuff that I've Mm -hmm. already read. So then that leads me to the question and I can answer this one first, what kind of books we're reading most right now um, or just what are we reading right now, category or titles? 
So I'm rereading the Outlander series and I am on book six for like the fourth time or something. And it's, I skip around a lot in the series. I don't like all the books equally. In fact, there's probably two now that I would pick out and reread over and over and kind of just abandon the rest. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really thick and it's not the kind of thing where I'm going to start at book one and like blast my way to the end. There's like mm-hmm. nine books, so that's not going to happen. Um, I did discover, so it's set in North Carolina and the trip I'm going on next week or this coming week is to North Carolina in the mountains. And I was like, huh, I wonder if it's anywhere near where the Outlander series is. And I'm not even kidding. Our cabin is in the same town that this book is set in that I'm reading right now. Isn't that so fun? So and it's not mentioned specifically in the series, but like you can kind of breadcrumb it if you listen to the author. Like she's made she's made some like clues um, or hinted at it. And it's if you kind of piece together the local rivers and things like that, you can figure it out. I know. So I'm excited about that and hoping I can find some scenes from there. And um, uh, just talking about like categories of books. Um, I love poetry. I forget to read it. Like I don't pick it out, but both my friend Candace and my sister Catherine both gave me books of poetry recently. And I just love having something like that next to my bed. Um, that's been really fun. I usually have at least one book going about something esoteric. I mentioned yoga, but it could be like philosophy or faith or something like that. Like and those are the kind of things that I can kind of dip in and out of. I don't feel like mm-hmm. I have to just stick with it. Um, and sometimes I'll go away from it for a long time and then come back. And unlike fiction, where if I lose the plot line, I have to back up. I don't right. feel like that at all with that kind of nonfiction. And I really like books about that help you like, I don't know, clean up your life in some way. And so mm-hmm. a friend just sent me a book about, like, I think it's called The Psychology of Money. And I started reading it. And I was like, what is it that I love so much about reading about personal finance? And I thought, I think it scratches the same itch that like books about cleaning up your diet or your house, like gardening, like, I don't know, mm-hmm. something about improving things um, where it kind of like gives you a peek inside your head and why you do things and then gives you like strategies for doing them better. I find them very satisfying. And I don't know how much of the time the advice sticks, but I just like reading them. That's funny because I would have thought that your sometimes your inner rebel would not like books like that because they can be kind of prescriptive or, you know, like not judgy, but you know what I mean? They're meant to help you improve. So that last one kind of surprises me. Well, it just kind of depends on the tone of the book. Some of them I do find obnoxious and some of them I, I enjoy not doing the thing that is, but I can actually get quite, I can really be a convert to things if I believe it. If, if the author puts up a really convincing argument for eating a certain way or whatever, mm-hmm. I can really get on board, but mm-hmm. it has to be like they convinced me and then I got on board. Right. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense. Um, I, I am reading a lot of memoir and biography and history. Those are like genres I return to again and again. Last year, 2020, I really made an effort to read more fiction. And I think I ended up at almost half and half fiction and nonfiction, but I have read eight books so far in 2021 and they're all nonfiction and they're all for the most part memoir or biography or something historical or, Oh, I read keep sharp by Sanjay Gupta. Who's the CNN doctor Mm -hmm. who's always on TV and he's a brain scientist. And that in terms of like actionable things to clean up an area of your life, that's a really good book about, what's good for our brains, which is spoiler alert. It's mostly like what we already know, eating well, sleeping well, having a meaningful, rich life, not worrying too much. 
Um, but from a neuroscience perspective, it's really interesting and it's very actionable, especially if you're in your 40s, say, and not like 65 and already experiencing cognitive decline. Um, so that was the one I would say like more like health or like action oriented book like that that I've read, but everything else. And it's all been nonfiction this year. Okay, Sarah, so now we're going to dig into our idiosyncrasies when it comes to reading things. Um, and these are just three quick little questions. I'll, you go first on this one. Do you ever abandon a book in the middle or have more than one book going at a time? No and no. I mean, I have abandoned books, but I've done it so seldom in the past five years that I can tell you like which ones they are and I still feel bad about it. And I know I should get over that because I know people love reading more when they don't force themselves to finish books. I know that, but I can't help it. And yeah, I'm never reading two books at once ever. Okay. That doesn't surprise me. Um, and it doesn't surprise me that my answer is yep on both. Um, mm -hmm. I often abandon books in the middle. I sometimes go back. I sometimes forget they exist. The Kindle makes that easy, you know, because you can kind of flip around. Um, but I have books all over the place. I have books going. I mean, I'm looking at my bedside table and there's probably a stack of like seven books, eight books maybe there, plus my Kindle. I probably have one downstairs I'm working on. So I am all over the place. Okay, so I'll answer this question first. Um, will you return to a series again and again? And I, I hinted that yes, the answer is yes. But I would say like, this is like 50% of my reading is just going back to things I've already read. To me, that is like the ultimate comfort read is to go mm -hmm. back to a book or a series that I love and reread it and reread it and sometimes not finish it, but just like taste it again. Yeah. Um, it is a big part of the way I read. How about you? Yeah. No, not at all as an adult. Although as a kid, I reread things constantly, almost, I would say obsessively. Um, and my kids do the same. And because I've raised three readers, um, I have reread a lot of children's literature and then we'll listen to the audiobook. So I, there is a comfort in um, rereading. And like, there's a few books, Pride and Prejudice, A Tree Grows in Brooklyn. There's a few rereads that I have done, but it's, I don't seek it out. And I, I really don't do it really as an adult. It's much more tied to the literature of my growing up. And then with my own mm -hmm. kids, then I've even reread again with them. Yeah. And a lot of the books I reread are ones that I started as a kid or a, te a teen. I really have a lot of connection to the books I read as a teenager. Mm -hmm. um, but even now, even now, if I start a series and think it's great, I'll go back and reread it again later. Or do you ever do that thing where you start reading a book? Cause I know you said you have book amnesia a lot of the time um, where you start to read a book and you're like, this just, it's so familiar. It's like, I know what's going to happen. And then you realize you actually did read that book and then completely blanked. So I don't, because I, I have a good memory for the, the, mm, the trappings of the book, who wrote it, what it's uh, about, what it looks like, yeah. where I was when I was reading what my amnesia is all about plot. I have plot amnesia. Like I can't tell you what happens in a, and, and the same with TV. I can tell you where I was when I watched it and I could tell you what the characters looked like and probably what they were wearing and how their house was decorated. I have like weird attention to detail of some things, but I have a very hard time with narrative recall. It's like the plot itself is what escapes me. So that doesn't happen to me as much as you would think. Cause I tend to have a memory for at least having read it, not what it was about. Well then that, I think that means if you read a really great book, you should make a note of it and then read it like two, you know, two years yeah. later. Yeah. And it'll be just like you've never read it. Totally. But it'll be guaranteed to be amazing. Totally. And I rewatch TV series for that same reason. And I don't have right. any problem like with really rewatching like deep, a deep rewatch of Mad Men like we're doing right now. Yeah. Hmm. OK, well, last question in the book reading section, um, and that is just do you feel pressure 
to read like the hot book of the moment or does it appeal to you to be in on those trends? And you go first on this one. No, not at all. Most of what I see is popular fiction because I feel like a lot of my internet friends are big readers of fiction and I'm not a big reader of fiction. So I see it at most. My first reaction is, oh, all those covers are so pretty <laughs> because all yeah. the covers are beautiful. The titles are very clever, but I don't feel pressure. If anything, I feel resistance because it feels like I'm way behind. Like I'm never going to read all of these popular fiction novels. So no, why bother? Um, Sometimes I feel interested in a popular nonfiction title if if it feels like I would really like it, but it's not pressure like I should read it. It's just like, oh, every this author is like on every podcast doing interviews. I'm curious about this book, but that's more for my own. I I'm genuinely want to read it. I don't feel pressure like I should. How about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same. Like, I don't feel any pressure to be like in the know yeah. about the plot. In fact, there have been books that I purposely avoid. No surprise because they're cool or because everyone's talking about them. It's just not really a factor for me. Um, it's just not something that dictates typically the books that I would, that I would read. And I make it curious like you, or if I think the book would be helpful, right. I might be like, Oh, I should read that. But again, it's like really, it's not because I need a water cooler talk about it. You know? No, no. Even I, <laughs> I read Glennon Doyle's untamed like a month ago. And even that I was like, I, I don't want to read this because everyone's reading it, but I actually right. wanted to read it. Because it's a well-done book. So yeah, I have, right. I have that internal resistance hard. Well, this episode has gone um, much longer than I think either of us were anticipating, but that's okay. It's a fun topic. I just wanted to close this by asking you, Sarah, if, um, if you feel like your reading habits in books kind of like are the same when it comes to non-book reading articles. And I will just say my habits when it comes to reading articles and magazines and things like that are very sporadic. I like, I enjoy all kinds of reading. Um, you know, as a kid, I read cereal boxes. So like, I really, mm -hmm. really will read any words that get in front of my face. But with those, I feel like I probably put away so much content in a day and don't even realize I'm doing it. Yeah. Um, because it's just happening like very sporadically. So what about you? Are you the same or are you more intentional? No, I'm kind of the same. And I feel a little sad, like my my attention span for things like online articles or online blog posts and essays and things that are a little mm -hmm. bit longer. I feel like I'm a victim of our time, which is this very distracted, like COVID pandemic life of a lot of scrolling and swiping. So I don't feel particularly intentional about what I read. I do read the New York Times and the LA Times. Like I scan the headlines in the morning. That's a little different. I used to use something called Instapaper, which allows you to save online articles oh, yeah. and then read them later and in a really clean format. Like when you open it up, it's almost like a Kindle or like um like an e-reader where all the ads are stripped away. You're just consuming your long form articles. And I would save them throughout the week and then sit down and read those. I think the problem is I'm not giving a ton of time to my book reading. So like, it feels like another thing to have a, a whole day where I sit and read articles. So yeah, I don't, I'm not particularly fulfilled in this area. Um, and then it also occurred to me, we never talked about audiobooks because I don't think either of us listen to audiobooks, do we? No, I don't. I'm not, an, I've never made the jump. Like I have listened to audiobooks before. For me, it's, it feels like a longer time commitment for some reason, even though I know it's not, it just, it just not something I like to read books with, that are in my hand and I just yeah. haven't got, and I think that audiobooks are amazing and I could maybe be a convert, but I just haven't done it. Yep. I feel the same. My kids are obsessed and my kids listen to audiobooks constantly. So I have a deep appreciation and Brian used to, when he used to drive for work. Um, mm -hmm. so I have a, I have a total appreciation for audiobooks, but same thing. 
since we're talking about listening and reading today, when I'm listening, it's a podcast or maybe music. And when I'm reading, it's a book in my hand. Yeah. Well, this has been really, really fun. Um, I guess, should we give one more shout out to the survey since that is closing soon? Yes. Please fill out our survey at themomhour.com slash survey, and we'll leave it up for another week or so. Um, And then on Tuesday, we're going to be talking about friendship. And it's actually a two-part episode airing this coming Tuesday and the following. um, And we had a lot of great listener feedback on that topic. So I know there's some some people eager to dive into that conversation around friendships in motherhood and especially in this like weird 2021 that we're living through right now. So we'll be back with you on Tuesday. Talk to you then. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Megan, you know what I love about our partner, The Essential Calendar? I love the product so much, of course, but I also love that it comes from a small business founded by two moms. Right, just like us. Listeners, if you're drowning in details right now, like summer camps, travel plans, end of school year mayhem, give yourself the gift of the Essential Calendar, a seasonal at-a-glance poster-sized calendar for your wall. Get 10% off your order at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour.